Good morning, everybody. Uh, just on, on kind of uh, dovetailing off of what Melissa did such a good job of uh, explaining of ways that we can help and assist. We also recognize that uh, quarantining and COVID is, is still a thing. So if if you have a compromised immune system, and you can't go out or, or just because of quarantine reasons, you don't feel comfortable coming by the building. There are plenty of ways you can help from home. Uh, people have been kind enough to prepare food and just kind of set it out and one of us can go pick it up and bring it out or if you want to. But there are creative ways that you can help at a distance. We recognize and, and honor that if you can't get out, that we respect that and appreciate it regardless. Um, okay, we're going to get started. Uh, as Justin had said, we are going to be concluding our Spiritual Disciplines series today. This is a schedule that we set a long time ago. And according to that schedule, we were not aware of how how needed this was going to be when the calendar date came up. We were already planning to discuss fasting today. We were already planning to have us do a church-wide fast. I was already planning to be the one who was going to teach it. It seems to be by God's providence and God's sovereignty that he saw to it that our calendar was set up to be responsive for the current events that were to come. We built this calendar before George Floyd's killing. We built this calendar to proclaim a church-wide fast before there was protesting in the streets and, and discord over social media. I volunteered uh, to answer the calling to give this message before I knew how important and and how relevant that it was going to be that I, being uh, a brown man, a, a non-white pastor at our church, would be speaking at this time. We didn't know any of those things, but God did. And I think because we, as God's people, are receiving from God by grace his, his revelation to us, we should take a second to realize that this is a specially ordained and appointed time. Now, because we were planning on holding a fast this coming Friday, it's what we're going to do, but we have, we have clearly defined reasons for holding this fast now. Whereas maybe before we had this idea that we were going to practice the discipline of fasting and we were going to maybe prayerfully seek God of, of the heart behind that fast, we don't have to do that anymore. The reasons are right in front of us. We are going to get into our study, which is going to be organized thusly. We have to talk about the practical bits about fasting. I'm going to try to get through that as quickly as possible, because what's most important is the heart matters with regard to fasting and its relevance to our current events today. But we are also going to be highlighting these three reasons for our fast. So if you're taking notes, take note of these three reasons. Reason number one, we will fast to seek God to reveal to each of us our personal sin and culpability for the racial tension in our country. We will fast for the second reason, to mourn for our nation's brokenness. 
And we'll fast for this third reason, to inaugurate a new ministry, one of reconciliation. We'll break those down soon enough, but as I said, we need to quickly get through uh, the practical side of fasting. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into that. Jesus, we may not even emotionally feel your presence right now. We may be distracted because being apart from one another makes it hard to do church. We may be overwhelmed and then therefore distracted because of the unrest in our country and because of the injustices amongst our people. So we may not be aware of your presence here. We may not be attentive to it. But I just want to proclaim and recognize that that you are here. And we, we ask that you would guide us through our service today. Holy Spirit, in your power, please make your truths resonate within us and transform who we are as people. In Jesus' name, amen. So, fasting. What is fasting? Today, fasting is a general term meaning abstaining from a certain something for a certain period of time for a certain reason. It's part of the Christian jargon, and it's common to hear people say, I am fasting from social media for the month of June, so that way I can focus on God. Or people saying, I'm fasting from the television because it's become too distracting. These are really, really great things, and I fully endorse them. Um, But I would more so say that those things are self-denial. And even though someone can say that they can fast from Facebook, again, which I think is wonderful, you can use that language and you can make those choices. But biblically, excuse me, biblically, the discipline of fasting is literally abstaining from food, from food. The word that Jesus uses to to refer to fasting is a compound word that just means when you don't eat. The discipline of fasting can be expanded to mean more. We can fast from social media. We can fast from our smartphones. We can fast from YouTube and so on and so forth. But it cannot mean less. Biblical fasting means abstaining from food. And this week, when we proclaim our church-wide fast, that's what I am asking you to do. That's what we as your pastors are asking you to do in participation. And if you want to additionally fast from social media or or fast from any other hobby you have, that's fine. But the participation that we're asking you to engage in is the literal abstention of food. Now, that raises the question, is fasting safe? Or more specifically, is fasting safe for me? Fasting from for any period of time, abstaining from food can be extremely difficult. Um, It can make you feel lightheaded. It can make you feel uncomfortable. It can make you more irritable. And the hunger pains could even be severe. It can feel like a jab to the gut. But for the average person, fasting is safe. It's not dangerous. Now, there, there are a few exceptions. If you are an expectant mother, if you are 
a diabetic who is currently taking insulin on a daily basis, or if you are involved in heavy manual labor, a total fast, abstaining from food for the full day Friday, or for any full day that you're trying to practice this discipline, may not be a good idea. Notwithstanding, I still want you to participate in this fast. A fast is literally abstaining from food, but it does not have to be for the entire day. It doesn't have to be all food for the entire day. It certainly doesn't have to be fasting from food and water. I'm actually not asking any of us to do that. You can abstain from food in this fast by cutting out certain foods. If you're at all interested in that, you can look into a Daniel fast, or you can contact me after the sermon and I can explain to you what that is. You can maybe skip one meal on Friday. For the rest of us who feel comfortable and within our recommended health pursuits to do this full fast, I'm going to ask that you have your dinner on Thursday night and that be the beginning of your fast once you're done with that. So I'm speaking to myself here, no midnight snacks. All through Thursday night, Friday morning fasting, breakfast, lunch, and then you break your fast during our reflection service, which is around dinner time. If you are at all concerned that it may not be safe for, for you, you have Monday through Thursday, during which I ask you to strongly consider uh, where you are health-wise, maybe contact a medical professional, and make plans for how you can participate in this literal biblical fast, which is abstaining from food. It doesn't have to be all of your food. It doesn't have to be for all of the day, but I do want you to participate. But why? Why is this so important? What fasting is supposed to accomplish? Well, fasting has been a part of religious expression for an extremely long time. Historically, pious people, people who love God and pagans alike, have worshipped God or their gods through fasting. But today it's kind of fallen out of vogue, and I think it's because we are in a post-monastic age of the church, we are really uncomfortable with anything that seems like asceticism or self-harm. Historically, our people have fasted, but historically, our people have also practiced self-harm, where they beat themselves or they inflict themselves with the wounds of the crucifixion. Now, as a pastor, as someone who studies scripture, I want to say that that is a misunderstanding of who God has asked us to be. God does not call his people to self-harm. Jesus has never called people to mutilate their own bodies. Now, Jesus did say whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. But in that passage, Jesus isn't talking about human life with frivolity. He is talking about it with, and this is important, hear me out here, He's talking about human life with priority. We seek Jesus and a healthy life with Jesus as a higher priority than our temporal, physical, human life. And that makes sense because our life in Jesus, our relationship with Jesus, if we are believers, will exceed our human life. And so... 
Fasting is not about self-brutalization. It's not about asceticism. It's not about self-harm. It's about priority. It's an expression of eagerly seeking God as your highest concern. Now, conversely, food and the overindulgence of it is commonly associated in Scripture as a distraction from the pursuit of God. And I understand this. I've shared with you as my brothers and sisters. I struggle struggle with gluttony. And I have found that as Scripture suggests, we can become decadent with our diet. And so forget that we need God. Both the people of Israel and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are indicted for being overfed and thus uninterested in the matters of God. You can find that indictment on Sodom in Ezekiel 16 and Israel in Hosea 13. And I'm going to read that one. This is Hosea 13:6, which says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. The oracle Agur understood this as well when he said, feed me with the food that is needed for me, talking to God, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? That's Proverbs 30 verses eight and nine. When we thrive, we have what we need and we live comfortably because we have what we need to live. So we stop worrying. We stop seeking. We pursue decadence and we can forget our innermost need for God. And so fasting is the antithesis to that tendency. When we fast, we humble ourselves beneath the opportunity for decadence and comfort. And we join with Moses and Jesus who quoted him. And we say with our hearts and with our diets, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. What this means, this passage of Deuteronomy 8.3 is, I survive not by what I put into my mouth, but by what comes out of the mouth of the Lord, which is his words, wherein I find life. Now, we are having a corporate fast. We are all fasting come this Friday, if you participate with us, which, again, I ask you to please do so. It's a time well needed for it. Fasting has often been misunderstood as merely a private matter because Jesus tells people like, hey, when you're fasting, don't let people know that you're fasting. Anoint your face. Put a smile on. Now, because of that, there's been this awkward thing that if if you do practice fasting, you don't want people to find out about it. You think, oh, don't ask me to lunch. Don't ask me to lunch. I don't want to say the reason I don't want to eat is because I'm fasting. Jesus doesn't mean there that fasting has to be unspoken. If fasting was unspoken, we wouldn't have the accounts in scripture of people fasting. What Jesus means there is don't look miserable when you fast so that way people can tell that you're fasting. If it comes up in conversation, that's an opportunity to witness to what God's doing in your life. Corporate fasting, like what we'll practice on Friday, is biblical. And it's actually pretty common in times of desperation. In times of great panic, believers throughout history have proclaimed fasts 
to pursue God at a higher priority than their own life. And this this is where we get back into the relevance of why this matters today. For centuries in our country, we have tried, some of us have tried, to pursue racial reconciliation. The average person has tried to seek racial reconciliation in our country. And I I have to admit, progress has been made. Slavery has been outlawed. Racially segregated places by legislation have been outlawed, and that's great. But we're far from healed. The wounds still remain. I was reading this week just in my normal devos. And again, I feel like God's just like lining these things up. Second Chronicles 20. And I came across this. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I'm going to paraphrase this next bit. In the assembly of the people, once everybody is gathered, Jehoshaphat, who's the king over Judah, he prays that God would send his righteous judgment. I think as a human being and as a Christian today that that's what we need. Oftentimes, judgment means wrath. But judgment can also mean God's verdict, God's decision. That's what we need in our country today. We need to know how the God of heaven feels about the way that we treat each other. We need God's judgment, his righteous decision, his righteous insight on how we treat each other. I also resonate with Jehoshaphat who prayed, we are powerless. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I relate to Jehoshaphat in that regard. Now, we're going to be in Isaiah 58 for the remainder of today. So go ahead and turn there. I'll give you a second. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read. I'm reading out of the ESV today. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they see me, seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see, uh, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, In the day of fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of the wicked of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. 
to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call on the Lord and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the wicked finger and the speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. We're going to stop there. The word of the Lord. This prophecy is God speaking to the people Israel. And it opens by God saying that he's ignoring his people, even if they are fasting. Now, why would God ignore such a pious religious display of faith like fasting? Well, God himself says in verse two that these people delight to know my ways. These are people who love God, yet still he ignores them, even through the pious practice of fasting. But look what he says. In the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. God says that he ignores their fast because while they fast, they're also disparaging each other. They're also oppressing the marginalized people in their land. We run the risk of doing this very thing today. Even if we fast successfully from Thursday to Friday, which is a massive accomplishment and a a very beautiful display of love and pursuit of Jesus. It's, it's, it's a great expression of us delighting to know the ways of the Lord. But even if we do that, we run the risk of God not listening to us. Because God does not honor the fast of oppressors, and he doesn't honor the fast of quarreling, fighting people. Now, this is why the first of our three reasons to fast is, again, to seek God to reveal to each of us our personal sin and culpability. I know that our church is full of people with a a bunch of different views on what's going on currently in, in our country. So even though I'm your pastor, even though I am a Latino, Asian Pacific man, I am not going to take this Sunday platform to tell you how you should think about this time. 
If you want to talk to me privately about my opinions, if you want to pick my brain, we can do that privately. I'm not going to do that for the Sunday platform. But what I will do is challenge you to seek God during this fast time and ask him how you might be culpable. I'm doing the same thing. This step has to precede all other pursuits in fasting. Otherwise, we run the risk of our fast not being heard at all. And it's a courageous pursuit to ask God how I, Matt Abad, a non-white person, still might be personally culpable for the pain that our African-American brothers and sisters are experiencing, the violence that they receive in our country. It's hard to do. Pastor Nick did a great job last week explaining how many of us enjoy the liberty of not being provoked by race issues constantly. And he said that this is a time where we should not waste that inconvenience of now being provoked with it. Now is a time to expose ourselves to people, to resources that can speak into our lives and say, hey, you know, this is where you don't quite have it right. This is how you are part of this problem. Now, I recognize that not all of us have people in our lives that we can trust to do that. And that makes sense. People are imperfect. People have biases. But that's why this is a part of our fast. That's why this is reason number one of our fast. Because God is not biased. God is not imperfect. And if we'll take this time and fast to say, hey, God, I want this fast to honor you. I don't want it to be a fast that you are going to ignore. So I want you to tell me, is there any way that I am the oppressor? This is a great time for us to join in with David's daring, courageous prayer from Psalm 139, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. I encourage us all to pray this prayer earnestly. To humble ourselves lowly. Even beneath the decent human right of feeding ourselves. And when we humble ourselves lowly. And ask God that courageous question. That we would have the wherewithal to listen to the answer. Now there's another There's another risk that we run for our fast to be in vain, and it's found in verse four. God says you fast only to quarrel. So in this time, especially during our fast time, I am asking us to put a moratorium on arguing, a break on arguing with people. We need to stop cruelly arguing with one another over social media, stop accusing each other of not doing enough or being so wickedly bad. Even if you feel like someone is part of the problem and causing damage, don't berate them. Take a break from that. I'm not saying be silent. I'm saying take a break from quarreling and fighting. By all means, feel free to seek God and humbly ask God if he would like you to privately, respectfully, humbly reach out to a person like that with genuine discussion. But absolutely do not quarrel. Do not fight. Do not hit 
with a wicked fist, as it says in verse 4. And do not hit with a wicked comment. If we do that, we fast in vain and we hunger in vain. Now, God calls us to a fast for the oppressed. It's not merely a silent, private pursuit of God. It's for the oppressed. In verses 5 through 7 of Isaiah 58, God tells his people that he doesn't desire a fast just to fast. God's not interested as just ta- in us just taking a chance to stop eating, to deny ourselves, because that's meaningless for him. In these verses, God says he desires a fast that creates relief for hurting people. How does that happen? Verse 7 says this, Is it the fast not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself? From your own flesh. God's saying fasting is not about just self denial. Fasting creates an excess of your resources. And sparing ourselves from utilizing our own food, our own money, our own time, our own attention for our own survival. We have room to use that for others who need it. I'll give you a case example. Not a very good example, but a case example. There was this one time I was fasting and somebody gave me a free donut score. Uh, but I was fasting, so I was able to cut that donut in half and give it to my kids. And they celebrated and they ate way too much sugar. And it wasn't awesome parenting, but it was an example of this. It was just a small, trivial example of this. But if we normally enjoy having enough and other people around us in our community do not normally enjoy having enough, fasting times provide us with a period where we have more than what we need so we can share with those who do not have enough. When we fast, it results in a surplus, an excess. Now back to the George Floyd killing and the protests and the hurt and the pain and the, and the numerous other killings before George Floyd. And realistically, that will follow George Floyd. This time when we fast and in excess of our money for groceries results from that path, from that fast, I would encourage us to first and foremost consider extending that that excess that we get towards people, individuals who are affected by racial injustice or a reputable organization that fights racial injustice. You will have more than you need in this time. It would be a great exam- great time to share it. Let's push that just a little bit further. Not only does fasting give you the opportunity to have more excess material, food, money, but there's also immaterial excess that comes from fasting, our attention, our concerns, our considerations. Being human beings, we 
consider our survival first and then the survival of our loved ones second. It's just what it means to be a person. And a lot of the day is spent towards us figuring out what are we going to eat? How am I going to cook what I'm going to eat? Where am I going to, what time am I going to fit that into my schedule? You don't have to worry about planning those things on a day of fast. So the immaterial excess, your time, your attention, your consideration, ponder these things. Ponder the racial tension in our country, the tragic killings, the mourning. And that brings us to the second reason for our fast, to mourn our nation's brokenness. Nehemiah does this in Nehemiah 1. His his brother comes to visit him and he finds out that his people are in what he calls trouble and shame. And he fasts. He fasts to confess his personal sins that brought this about. He fasts to confess his, his people's sin that has brought him to this place. He engages in that corporate aspect of seeking God. And that's what I call us to do. We are the USA. We the people are the USA. And if problems are in our country, we have a place to confess those sins. We have, we have a place to ask God to turn around the consequences that result from our sins. Our country's in sore need of this kind of prayer. I have to confess that as I've been praying over what I have done to contribute to this atmosphere that makes room for racial injustice, especially toward our African-American brothers and sisters. And I found that I personally have just become overly satisfied with the legislative progresses that we've made that has outlawed slavery, that has um, ended segregation. I've become satisfied in those even though intrinsically I know that more needs to be done. I think, I think there's probably a huge portion of us in our country who have the same issue. I take part in that. And so I've been trying to confess to God and ask for forgiveness. We need to speed up here. Isaiah 58, 8 through 12 talks about what God will do if we take this time of fasting to do justice for the oppressed, share the excess with the oppressed. We don't have to, we don't have time to break down all of verses eight through 12, but I do want to bring out a few things. It's just in general, this sense that God asks us to do a little bit and that he comes with this disproportionate amount of grace and finishes the job. It's this aspect of, then you shall call to me, and I'll say, here I am. Rolls up his sleeves, and he comes with all of his expertise to heal. He says, if you take the yoke from the midst of our land, and if you stop pointing the finger and speaking wickedness, again, social media, arguments over this. If we stop that, then your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. That describes the racial relationships in our country. Destruction, ruin, danger in the streets. 
when we fast for the oppressed, God heals the ruins. God repairs the ruins. And verse 8 says that he will heal speedily. It's taken us centuries to get to this place. Centuries of striving, centuries of, of incremental progress that has led us to a place that permits a killing like what we've seen in George Floyd's killing and his murder. We're in a bad place that's taken us centuries to reach, yet God heals speedily. God doesn't improve speedily. God heals speedily, and we have a wound in our country. I want to close with outlining our third and final reason for the fast we're proclaiming this week. Reason number three is to inaugurate a new ministry, one of reconciliation. We've discussed fasting provides a venue to seek God without distraction. So we're using that to try to ask God to examine our hearts. We said that fasting is a great time to express mourning. So we're going to do that to express the mourning of the brokenness of our country. But if we stop there, there cannot be change. We need to ask God for the next step. We need a new thing as we ask God to end the old thing. There's a great legacy among believers of our brothers and sisters when they begin a new ministry endeavor. They fast so that way they enter into the new season with preparation. We see this in Acts 13, when the church is preparing to send out Saul and Barnabas. We see this again, Acts 14, when that same people, Saul and Barnabas, then fast as they install elders in the different churches that they plant. But the greatest example of this, as always, is our beloved Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls. Jesus began his earthly ministry with a 40-day Fast. In this time, Jesus was tested and he was tempted. Satan visited him and mocked him. But Jesus left that fast faithfully. And when he ended that fast, he began the ultimate crusade of reconciliation. Guys, Jesus willingly came to this world to represent God, to heal the guilty, and to restore them to a holy, loving relationship, even restoring sinners to a holy God. It's in our DNA to be reconcilers. We are a product of reconciliation. This is the God that we are being conformed to become like, not become him, but become like him. It's for this that we're to be saved. It's for this reason that we are delivered from our sins so that we can replicate the very same work here on earth as we received from Jesus first. So we at Calvary the Hill will fast to prepare for a new ministry, just like Saul and Barnabas did, just like the elders did. 
just like Jesus did before beginning a new thing. That new thing being like Jesus, representing God truthfully, accurately, and being agents of reconciliation, just like our precious Lord, who graciously did so for us. And he's put his Holy Spirit in us. It moves and breathes in our DNA. So let's fast to ask God what role each of us is to play now to help come together in this current state of racial tension in our country so that way we can step into this newness. Let's fast to mourn the current state of brokenness, but let's step into that newness. We are deputies of our God. And this fast commends us to his work. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the great reconciler. And you came and you died because that was the cost of the reconciliation. And though we were dead, you entered into our deadness And when you resurrected, you brought us into your resurrection. Our relationships in our country are marked with death and hate and murder. But reconciliation and resurrection is not outside of your power. It is not outside of your purview. I pray in this time that none of us, not myself nor my brothers and sisters, would feel condemned Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are seen in the righteousness of the Jesus who saved us. But in the same way that we identify with Jesus' righteousness, let us humble ourselves to be willing to identify in Jesus' brokenness over the sin in our world and even the sin in our own hearts and even the sin in my own, Matthew Abad's heart. You are so good, Jesus. You have goodness to spare and you love distributing your goodness to your people. And we want to receive that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of worship. I would encourage you guys to use this time to just cry out. I know it's a frustrating time.